KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall, your source for classical music here on KUOZ 100.5 FM. Your hometown radio station from the University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Now please sit back, relax, and enjoy as we have the privilege of taking you back in time for this next hour right here in our very own little concert hall. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host tonight, Corbin Sturch. I hope everyone has had a wonderful and refreshing first week back at school after our fall break. That little bit of relaxation in the midst of the craziness right after midterms to get us ready and to come to the home stretch of this first semester. So tonight, to continue our topic of Music of America, to keep trucking out along, last week we looked at two musicals, Fan of the Opera and Crazy for You, which was a Gershwin musical. In this musical, we played kind of selections that had had a big band twist on them to start making that transition. Well, tonight we're going to reflect back on that a little bit before we go right into the topic. We're going to look back at a few of those numbers, mainly I've Got Rhythm and Shall We Dance, two of the bigger numbers that were really popular during the big band swing and jazz movements. And you know, being from this musical, it made sense that we would make that transition that way. But tonight we're going to look back at them before we go into a couple other big ones tonight. Looking tonight at Ella Fitzgerald, Tony Bennett, Louis Armstrong, Billy Eskine, Frank Sinatra, and Fred Astaire. It's going to be a big night, a lot of fun music. Some you might know, some you won't. Hopefully... More of the first than the second. But to start us off tonight, we're going to look back first at Crazy For You, I Got Rhythm. And this will be by the Dorsey Brothers. So please enjoy.
KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello and welcome back to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host tonight, Corbin Sturch. If you've been listening in, you just heard I Got Rhythm from the musical Crazy For You as performed by the Dorsey Brothers. And if you're just joining us, welcome. We're glad to have you listening tonight as we continue in our topic of Music of America talking tonight about jazz, big band, swing, possibly touching on a bit of scat music by Ella Fitzgerald and other big names. So a bit about the Dorsey Brothers who had who were the cover for this last piece, they were only a studio band. So the members of the band, the main members of the band, Tommy and Jim Dorsey, who were two brothers together, were very affluent on their own, but the label Dorsey Brothers, when you saw that, it was only a studio group. You couldn't get them to come do a concert in your club. They would only record in studios. They never performed live as a group anywhere. And that's part of what they said as a group made them better. They used to joke saying they would feel that as a group, they were better if they could fix their mistakes later. (laughs) I think we all can relate to that. We all try to hide our mistakes every once in a while. But they became really well known in New York in the 20s. And their height of their group being from 1928 to 1934. They were signed with Decca Records in 1934 at that point. And they had to be formed into a more regular band. And at that point, they were forced to start performing live. And they had their fallouts the next year in May. Now, a couple of notable songs they did, aside from I've Got Rhythm, were Harlan Chapel Chimes, Tomorrow's Another Day, You're the Top, and Nightwind. A lot of famous songs that really went on at the time. They went through several members. But, as I said earlier, Tommy and Jimmy were probably the most famous, both of them playing with Frank Sinatra and some of his most famous hits. Now, the next song up we we have tonight is Shall We Dance? This is being performed by Fred Astaire. Now, an interesting fact on Fred Astaire, he was known as a dancer and someone who was affluent on the American stage and on the screens. He wasn't necessarily known for his singing. You know, he was in the musical comedies at the time. But, so it's interesting to see this song that became really, really popular, not just from the musical itself, but as performed by Mr. Astaire, become really, really popular. When we listen to his voice tonight, you'll hear he has a real clarity and just smoothness to how he sings. You're not going to have the jarring styles that untrained singers might have that perform on the stage. A lot of times when you have musicians or singers who are singing in these musicals, they're always being forced to project. This is a time when microphones weren't, you didn't use them in the theater. You had to learn to project. And even up until about the 80s and the 90s, microphones weren't common in theaters. You didn't have those microphones that were wireless that you could just wear and not be seen. You still had to drag a cord, and it was a big, bulky undertaking. So, you know, artists, 
and actors mainly still to this day are taught to project, especially as classical singers, because these are big rooms full of people. Sound's going to get stuck, and it's not going to go places. But Mr. Astaire and his singing, instead of having that harshness that sometimes happens when we open our soft palate and making it feel like it's been forced, it comes through so clearly. So it's a very interesting trait to see in someone who isn't known for being a classically trained singer. But a bit on Fred Astaire. He was born on May 10th in 1899 in Omaha, Nebraska, and he is regarded by many as the greatest popular music dancer of all time. Astaire is usually remembered for his pairings with Ginger Rogers, who also starred in several films with him, including Swing Time in 1936. So that's a bit on him. He lived quite a while, but... Finally, in his later years, after his movie roles had tapered off, he worked more in television, and he often appeared as himself for special tribute roles. He was quite the comedian, apparently. He did several comedy shows, and he had a growing interest in dramatic parts, working on such series as Dr. Kildare. He also worked with another legendary dancer, Gene Kelly, on the documentary That's Entertainment, which explored the golden era of the the movie musical. Around this time, Astaire received his only Academy Award nomination for a supporting role in the 1974 disaster film The Towering Inferno. He also won an Emmy Award for his work on the television special A Family Upside Down in 1978. More accolades soon followed, and Astaire received a Lifetime Achievement Award from the American Film Institute in 1981. Uh, A few years later, Astaire was hospitalized for pneumonia, and he died on June 22, 1987, in Los Angeles, California. With his passing, uh, Hollywood is said to have lost one of its greatest talents. Uh, Former actor and President Ronald Reagan, upon learning the news, called Astaire an American legend, the ultimate dancer. Ginger Roberts' report was saying Astaire was the best partner anyone could have ever had. It's reported that on the screen, off the screen, on the stage, and off the stage, uh, Astaire was the same genuine person who cared, had this glowing radiance about him, and was just really well-liked and respected by his colleagues. So this next song up is, like I said, it's a bit interesting to see someone who isn't known for their musical roles stepping into this different field, something that isn't quite what they're used to. The song is called Shall We Dance, and in it, it talks about slipping on your dancing shoes and having a good time. So it really fits the era. Gershwin wrote this song in the 1920s, 1930s, which was the height of the big band era. And it's been changed a little bit over time. But the version Mr. Astaire does in this song tonight is actually one of the most true versions to its original form. Now, Americans love slipping on their dancing shoes and moving to the beat of soulful swing music performance. But my question to everyone tonight is, did you know that jazz tunes actually have a much deeper history and meaning than the playful, full-of-life soul we associate with them today? We'll talk some more about that after this next song, Shall We Dance? Enjoy. Thank you. 
fling Why keep nursing the blues If you want this old world on a string Put on your dancing shoes Stop wasting time Put on your dancing shoes Watch your spirits climb Shall we dance Or keep on moping Shall we dance And walk on air Shall we give in To despair Or shall we dance with never a care Life is short We're growing older Don't you be And also ran You'd better dance little lady Dance little man Dance whenever you KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. You are listening to From the Concert Hall, here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host tonight, Corbin Sturch. If you're just joining us, thank you for tuning in. We are talking tonight over the topics of big big band, jazz, and swing as we look at different styles within American music and what we think defines that style that we know as American music. If you've been listening to us tonight, thank you for sticking with us even longer as we go through this next hour. We've looked tonight at I've Got Rhythm and Shall We Dance? I mentioned before this last song that jazz has a deeper meaning. Well, not just jazz, but the big band swing, all the music really of the era has more than just this playful swing and lifts that we all know. Um, you know, it's certainly fun-filled and it has that flair, but to understand how the genre reached widespread acceptance, we have to take a trip back to when it was happening. And to help me do that tonight, I've got University of the Ozarks Associate Professor of Practice in, is it communications? Okay, I wasn't sure if there was a longer bit to that title, or if it was, I wasn't sure if there was a longer bit to that title, or mm-hmm. if it was just communications. Nope, you got it. You got it. So I'm really glad to be with you here tonight, Corbin, and I've always enjoyed your show, and when I found out you were doing swing big band a little bit of jazz had to just kind of elbow my way in to the room thank you for Um, letting me be in here with you you know we never call it elbowing it's it's a miracle (laughs) we haven't got you in here sooner uh we have we have a tendency of bringing in all different people as you know yeah yeah brought in some of our theater people from bug and 
and you reach all different kinds of people in all all different kinds of places and countries it's always exciting when we go back later and look at where people are listening from and you know what their demographics are Mm -hmm. but you know a bit about this era you know we were talking during the break that you do a lot of studying you know in the history of radio communications world's Mm -hmm. fair and this time in general would you like to tell us a bit about this time that we're getting into this era of the state of our history? Yeah, you know, I agree with a lot of the historians that that kind of characterize the span of time as one of the the greatest, if you will, generations or times of of our country. Um, and where radio is concerned, yeah, I have a huge passion for radio because it it really is the first broadcast medium. It has so much rich history and. Um, you know, you go back to the the wire going across the Atlantic and carrying a signal across, and then eventually Guglielmo Marconi, you know, develops the wireless, and then you get into these inventors like Sarnoff and Armstrong, along with Marconi and others, who get us to radio as it is today. But we say all that just to say, too, that, um, you know, it was really content that got people so excited during the Great Depression, when they couldn't maybe afford even some of the necessities of life, they would make sacrifices to have a radio in their home, to have these big bands, to have live performances, to get the news from the world. Um, it was just such an exciting time for them. And I think this music that you're playing tonight really embodies that. I mean, I can almost visualize these performances on stage at these um you know, they started out at hotels, hotel dances, um, and kind of went from there. So, yeah, it's awesome. Right. Like you say, people would sacrifice to have those things. It was important, I think, to the people at the time. And I think still today sometimes when we go through hardships to want to feel more connected with the world so we can try to forget about what's happening with ourselves at times. For sure. Um, we've talked a lot during the show about movie palaces of the era when we went through that time you know movies were a penny or five or ten cents yeah and these buildings were just the most ornate things it was a chance for people to just get away from hardships and just feel like they were kings yeah suspend reality for a little while and uh did you know that right downtown here in clarksville sometime when you're walking on the sidewalk in downtown Look up at those old um, building cornerstones, and they'll have, if they're historic buildings, you know, they'll have the building stamp on there. And I think you'll see one for a building called The Strand. And that was one of those theaters way, right. way back. Right. It's inter- we do still have the building for it. Now, as you, you've been doing a lot of work downtown to revitalize with the city council and the different committees. Is that one of the buildings we're getting the murals on? Uh, no, not right now, because I think, now I could be wrong, but <clears throat> I think that building doesn't have an open side, whereas the building that they are putting the first mural, major mural on, I believe that is the Sexton Furniture Building, and it is um, it has an open side. That's how we decided on that that building, because as you're coming from the west downtown, it's almost like you've got a full square movie screen in front of you in fact the palette um is 20 feet by 40 feet that mr pennington is is painting there so i think the strand might be kind of sandwiched in some of those buildings but you know uh, that's something that 
we're really interested in trying to develop the downtown and to really look at some of those historic buildings and and can some of them be restored um, and and we'd sure like to see if the the owners of those different buildings would want to work with the economic development committees and you know, wouldn't it be nice to have some sandwich shops downtown <laughs> and maybe some loft-style apartments, a bicycle shop, those kinds of things. So, I mean, going back to your music tonight, that music is so real, and it and it's such a way for people to connect and um, find some joy, you know. So that's kind of what, what we're also trying to do downtown. And uh, just a side note, I know on November 20th will be the last... Um, uh, put this in air quotes, music on the square for this season. And that was something that was actually started by um, the Downtown Historic Development Committee. They wanted to just have every once in a while on a weekend have a a jam session downtown where they invite local musicians to come. Community members can bring their chairs and bring their, you know, ice chests or whatever they want and just just have a, a time of live music down there. So, hey, maybe we'll get a jazz band down there next or uh, a stage band, a big band. Yeah. When I was looking at colleges, one of the things that really drew me to this area, well, this area here, was how steeped in history and how open and accepting and proud of the history this area was. And mm. you didn't just see shut-up buildings that were boarded up you can't walk you can't walk or drive through downtown without seeing something in every building yeah yeah that's true um you know and i think about those classic old cities in the united states that to me are like i said i keep going back to that word real because they have so much history culture you think about their food and i'm you know i'm talking about chicago new york st louis san francisco and, you know, we're, we're going to talk about big band and maybe later some jazz. We're talking about New Orleans. Or if you're from there, New Orleans. Right. Maybe you say New Orleans. But um, that's, that's a, those are soulful things. It's uh, soulful food, soulful, soulful art, colors, buildings, the architecture, and the music. Performance. Right. You know? It's really easy to take inspiration from today and apply it to what the people were doing during this era. They were proud of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. They would put everything in they had, everything they had into whatever they were doing, be it as something as simple as, you know, plowing a field or something as spectacular, so to speak, as creating these big hits. You know, yeah. it may have been nothing to us to think that they just would sit and play but to them during this time it was everything that was their escape from any hardship they were having any problems at home and that was their that was the highlight of what they were doing and hey they didn't have the distractions that we have now (laughs) they didn't have tv yet um at the beginning of this era they certainly didn't have smartphones and screens galore um and i just think that the mindset was different too and i I'm not one of those people who says the good old days because there were a lot of bad things about the old days. But I think that what you said about putting all they had into something, some of that was necessity. Um, If they didn't plow that field, they didn't eat. Right. We don't go to work a day. We might get in trouble, maybe fired. But back then... um, you just didn't have the commodities that we have now. You didn't have a super center. You either 
sorry to say, you either wrung the neck of the chicken, slaughtered the hog, picked the potatoes, or you didn't eat. Um, definitely not as many jobs available. So they had pretty hardcore jobs, you know, coal mines, things like that. So by gosh, when it's time to go kick your feet up, I'm sure they were pretty good at it. And uh, you think about, too, Corbin, how um, how much pride they had in their dress. Um, you know, they were dressed to the nines when they went to hear these bands perform and went out dancing. Um, right. You know, you look yeah. back at these pictures and you see people in their three-piece suits, oh, their yeah. ties. The women wearing pantyhose and, you know, and those were hard to come by back then, especially during the war years. So I mean, I remember my late grandmother talking about that kind of stuff where you just didn't have a lot of things, um, didn't have a lot of disposable stuff, you know, and uh, you really valued it. And I have a funny story for you um, about that. Uh, she told us that during the Prohibition years, um, <laughs> there was a speakeasy between Bella Vista, Arkansas and the Missouri line. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but turns out it was true because sometimes you never knew with her stories. But she said that she would uh, kind of sneak off and go over there and go dancing when she was a teenager. And that was kind of a big deal, you know. It was a cave. Um, it's called the Rainbow Cave. And um, it's still there. And there's a, a couple of people from California that have purchased it recently. And they're, they're trying to clean it up because it's been vandalized and everything. But she said that when it was a, um, like a club back at that time, you go in, you got the front part of the club, and then you kind of go through this tunnel in the cave, and you pop up in Missouri. You get your spirits, and you come back through, and you go dancing. So fun fact there. So it'd be neat if they kind of restored that place. That would be. You know, it's interesting we talk about the everyday stories and things that happened. You know, some of the most famous, you know, pieces and songs we get from this era are little variations and plays on common things. We think of children's rhymes is a good example I love to always give. Uh, a tisket, a tasket. Mm, yeah. Is, you, know, you know, a tisket, a tasket, a green, yellow basket. Ella Fitzgerald who we sometimes call the Queen of Swing. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we have all these titles for her. Mm-hmm. But she really made this song famous. So I'd like to play that now and then come back and talk a bit more about Ella and the everyday life and how little things like this would change someone's day, make a week even. Awesome. Here it is, a tisket, a tasket. Enjoy. Picking all around When she spied it 
KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from the University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host tonight, Corbin Sturge. If you're just joining us, welcome. Thank you for tuning in once again. You know, it's always my favorite phrase to say. But if you are just joining us tonight, you've entered into a discussion on jazz, big band, swing, and where they kind of fall in American music and what defines that style as we know it today and how these kind of came to be and what they meant to the people at the time. If you've been listening in, you know, thank you for staying with us. Tonight, with me on the show tonight, I've got a special guest, our assistant professor, assistant professor of practice in communications, Miss Susan Eisens. Hey, this is fun. Thanks for having <laughs> me on. You're playing good music tonight, too. Well, you always do, but sometimes <clears throat> I don't really understand it. But you always help me to understand it. That's the great thing about your show. You educate all of us. So... But yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying this this program tonight. You know, we say we educate you say we educate you. We learn just as much from this show as our listeners do. You know, before any show we have to go and we do all this research and we'll select a topic and we may know nothing about it, but we select it so we can learn about it. Yeah, that's learning is fun. It's always a good thing. It really is. And, and so, we have these masters who did all this work. We we've got to bring them out. Exactly. You know, I mentioned going into tonight that when we get when we got to Ella Fitzgerald, we would probably hear a bit of scat singing and mm-hmm. swinging. And we mentioned with the last song, A Tisket, A Tasket, that yeah. people would make little bits on these just common tunes. 
just everyday songs or everyday children's rhymes. And A Tisket, A Tasket was being one of those that Miss Fitzgerald really made famous. But Ella Fitzgerald was also really known for starting and kind of helping create a style of this jazz singing called scat. Uh, you know, we think about it, but you know, they call it scat literally because people will say like scat or just make noises within the song mm-hmm. that are part of the song itself. And it, we think, how does that work? What What's going on with that? When you listen to the music, you can kind of see how it would play in. It's just the artist truly getting into what they're doing. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I, as a saxophone player, I always kind of think about what, for example, what Ella Fitzgerald will do with her voice that's in the back of her throat when it's almost a growl scat. And I think about, you know, what you can do when you're playing um, a, a woodwind instrument with sort of fluttering the reed. And so you create this so it's almost, trans, you know, reciprocal because that can kind of create this guttural voice, whereas, you know, she's one of those singers that can instrumentalize. Let's make up a word for tonight. No, it's a word. Her voice, right? And, um, yeah, I think of it as almost like the percussion parts, too, you know, keeping that pace. I agree. You know, our next couple of performers tonight, including Miss Fitzgerald, were African-American and when we think of big band and jazz and swing, we don't tend to think a lot of times of the era this is in. Mm-hmm. This music during this time period was instrumental in helping appease that integration into society and help deal with the civil rights issues that were happening. You know, it, w- it wasn't solving them by any sense right. of the word or thought of it, but it was helping to create that mentality that not everyone is bad. Not everyone's a terrible person. Well, and that not everyone is the help. Right. Really, nobody should be classified that way. But you know, that that went on then and, and unfortunately still to some extent today. I think any time that you can personalize someone or at least present them in multiple dimensions, you shed some of that bigotry, closed-mindedness. You go, oh, wait, and, oh, wait, they sing, they do this. You know, I think you're right. I mean, it it put a new light on some things. One of the things I love that Ozarks does for us when incoming students come in, they take what we call freshman seminar, and they have this class for a semester where they have to do intensive studies in different areas. It's, what, it's part of our liberal arts education. I took mine in gender and contemporary society. And as part of it, we did a look into telecommunications and broadcast media, Mm -hmm. looking at how cartoons are Mm. helping to desensitize kids and introduce kids to these issues that we face today. Right, okay. You know, we think about us compared to our parents or our grandparents. Yeah. We all see we have different mentalities and you can actually credit a lot of that to what they show kids in cartoons. Mm You might not realize it, but it's desensitizing you. It's introducing you to these topics and thinking, oh, well, this person's in the house, too, and they're accepted. Yeah. And this music was doing that same thing. Yeah, you don't, you're not born a bigot. <laughs> right. You're conditioned to be one. And uh, so that's, that's a really creative way of, 
um, unfortunately having to normalize something, but you know, I'm, I applaud those who find methods to do it. And I think entertainment, music, the arts is a great way. You know, we like to laugh and joke, but, uh, the arts has always been considered one of the most taboo fields, Mm -hmm. not just to think of, but to be in, because when you're in the arts, you're surrounded by people with the most outlandish notions and ways of living yeah. that you wouldn't believe. Um, we think of the 70s and the 80s and the 60s, and we think of hippie culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and beatnecks. Right. <laughs> That's how, back in the day, people used to view people in the arts because it yeah. was just outlandish to think differently. And yeah. the arts forces you to think. Thinking is good. What have you got for us next? Up next tonight, we've got Sing Song Swing by Miss Fitzgerald. Oh, that's just Sing Song in itself. Yeah. Sing Song title. <laughs> sing Song Swing. Okay. Right. And I, I chose it because even just in the title itself, you can hear how we start to get those just random noises that make up scat. Yeah. It could be anything. They didn't have to be words. Sometimes they were, sometimes they weren't. But up next on the list, we've got Sing Song Swing by Miss Ella Fitzgerald. Enjoy. Chop, 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 chop,
KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host tonight, Corbin Sturge. If you're just joining us, welcome. Tonight we are discussing jazz, big band, swing, all of those really famous musical styles of the early 20th century that really helped us move into this new era and new decade of music, really, is how we like to look at it as musicologists. Uh, If you've been with us tonight, thank you for sticking with us. We hope you've enjoyed the topic tonight some of the different things we branched off into in terms of life in those times, stories we've grown up with, and the changes we're seeing today that kind of helped get started during this time. You know, I realize we've played two songs by Miss Fitzgerald, but I've never really properly introduced her to the people listening tonight. So, following a troubled childhood, Ella Fitzgerald turned to a singing contest, which was at the Apollo Theater, And in 1934, she was discovered in this amateur contest. She went on to become the top female jazz singer for decades. In 1958, Fitzgerald made history as the first African-American woman to win a Grammy. Of course, this was due in no small part to her vocal quality. You know, it has that lucid annotation and broad range. A lot of times in choirs, we like to classify people as altos. that term really isn't true for most people. The, when we think of the alto range in the voice, we're thinking of low notes that actually reach into the bass clef. And an alto can compare with a tenor or a male bass even a lot of times, if they're a true alto. Miss um, Fitzgerald is what musicologists consider a true alto because of her vocal range. She can go high, but she has the ability to be really low in her range and still be very fluid and clear with what she's doing and still project just as easily, which are all the factors that go into making someone what their vocal range is. But she would go on to win 13 Grammys in total and sell more than 40 million albums. Her multi-volume songbooks on Verve Records were among America's first recording treasures. Now, she died in California in 1996. Uh, This was after was a little bit of a terrible bout with an illness, but she ended up dying peacefully in her home in her sleep. And, you know, many people commented on it as a terrible loss. And actually, whenever I was doing the research into this, it struck me that, you know, she was still living. This amazing star was still living, you know, when I was born. (laughs) You know, I think of myself as only a month old, but it's interesting to think that for that small period of time, she was here in that sense. It's selfish to think that way at times, but when we look for connections with these artists that we really come to love, I think a lot of times you branch out looking for anything. And sometimes with Mrs. Gerald, that's it for me. Now, joining me also tonight for the last little bit of this show, well, I say the last little bit, she's been with me for the last couple bits, is the Assistant Professor of Practice and Communications, Miss Susan Edens. Yeah, I, uh, again, I'm really enjoying your show, as always. 
And um, that last comment you were making about, hey, you just kind of realized that this amazing legend was actually living for at least a small part of your life. You know, um, it's almost like that touchstone overlap point that, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to believe. Um, it really hasn't been that long ago, but, you know, it's nice to have this appreciation. Well, that's with a lot of singers of that time. Sometimes we forget that they only died 20, 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And in the grand scheme of time, that's a blink. Yeah. And you think about what they saw and experienced in their lifetimes, you know. Some of them were going actually from the invention of the car, you know. That's that's really hard for us to fathom. Really it is. Uh, I used to love growing up. My babysitter, she would always take us out sometimes to her parents' house, and we would have Sunday dinner there. And her parents would talk about remembering the cell phone and the laptop. Yeah. And remembering color television. Yeah. Having three channels. We actually had to get up and change the channels in my lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> we, we didn't have a, you didn't have a remote. You didn't have a cable box. You had an antenna. And sometimes you'd have to get up and turn the antenna. See, now I can remember that. <laughs> so, and this was the era, too, when, uh, I'm thinking back to my era, when TVs were like pieces of furniture, really. <laughs> I mean, they were cabinets, you know, and so, you know, we started off, um, at least the, I think the second segment of the show talking about this music and its relationship to radio and the same thing we talk about in my radio production class was really just imagine it. Um, that was the first voice from the outside coming into your home. Um, that wasn't a physical person walking through your door and you really, you had one and it was a major piece of furniture in your living room when, when all of this got started and, um, and Ella Fitzgerald, um, came along at at an early still kind of early part of that right so at the time you can kind of i like to say you can almost compare radio then to television today it would be what you stopped everything you were doing the family together got it turned on and like they had radio dramas yeah you would listen to captain america mm-hmm. and what his epic adventure was that week you would see uh, dime store ads selling decoder badges for these radio shows. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, you can get your decoder ring from your Ovaltine right. drink. Yeah. yeah. Right. What was that show that The Christmas Story made famous? Yes. Uh, Annie yeah. Oakley? Or no. Yeah. Well, something like that. And um, I also think back to, um, you know, hearing about Amos and Andy. And Amos and Andy was the first entertainment program on, on radio. And looking back on it, you know, and we won't get into this because it's a, it's a whole different show, but it was somewhat controversial because those were two white guys doing that show as reading as African-Americans. And so there were many controversial stereotypes. But if you look back and really look at the history on that, a lot of the um, African-American people still liked that show and listened to that show because it was as you said a minute ago, the first time they were represented at all in any kind of entertainment medium. And it, it gave a dimension. Right. Our next performer up tonight, and actually our last performer before we sign off, it, I chose this song. You know, we talked about, I talked about the last bit, having that sentimental value where I could attach a, a three or four weeks of my life mm-hmm. to 
you know, when Miss Fitzgerald was alive during my time. But something I can relate more to, uh, my great-grandfather had this amazing voice. And I didn't get to know him for very long in my life. I didn't meet him until later in my life. But he was really famous for singing Blueberry Hill. Oh, wow. Okay. So I can remember um, at his funeral, they played Blueberry Hill as he sang it. And huh. every time you know, I hear it, the nostalgia comes back of just imagining him singing this. In my time, I never got to s- hear him sing. I never got to see that. He was past that by the time I'd met him. But to think back and think of it as knowing a past self in that sense. Right. But it's a beautiful song. It's a great way to put it out tonight. It's just slow. And it's talking about love, finding love, and just living life, I think, is what really can be summed down to. Which I think is we're getting into this part of the semester where things are getting to the crunch and everything's being put to the test and the grindstone. You just need to remember, slow down, listen to <laughs> something slow, relive keep, a moment. Keep it in perspective. Things are getting real. Thanks for letting me be with you, Corbin. Oh, anytime. You're always welcome to come back on. Now, for anyone interested in keeping up with From the Concert Hall through the week, uh, to give us feedback on our shows, find out topics for future shows, or even to suggest topics for future shows, we invite you to like us on our Facebook page. That's at facebook.com forward slash From the Concert Hall. Send us a message, comment, drop us a line. We'll respond. We love interacting with our audience. You can always find our episodes podcasted on iTunes and on SoundCloud. So if you didn't catch this episode or if you caught this episode with only parts or you want to catch maybe other episodes we've done, I invite you to go to the SoundCloud or our iTunes and just check out what we've got. We've got everything there from our season one shows, which is the Music of the Ages, where we started in medieval and went all the way up through this jazz and big band was actually what we ended on. Or some of our artist interviews, we've interviewed a lot of amazing musicians and artists. I invite you to check out who they are, learn a little bit more about them, and it's a great way to do it through their own words. But to play us out into the night, we have the song Blueberry Hill as performed by Louis Armstrong. I hope everyone has an amazing night, stays dry and safe as it's pouring rain outside right now. But enjoy the sweet tunes of Blueberry Hill. Enjoy and have a good night. I found my dream on Blueberry Hill on Blueberry Hill when I found you the moon stood still on Blueberry Hill and it wasn't until my dream come true The wind, the willows play Love sweet melody And all of those vows we made Were never to be 